friends, and welcome to the Walnut Creek Baptist Church podcast. It is our prayer that you find today's message to be both encouraging and edifying for your life. If you would like to connect, we would love to hear from you, and there are a couple of ways to do that. You can email us at office at wcbaptist.com, or the best way is to download our church app by searching Walnut Creek Baptist in the Apple and Google Play app stores, and it will be like you're a part of our church from wherever you're listening at. We look forward to hearing from you and hope that you are so blessed by today's message that you will share it with a friend or leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Right now, let's open our hearts and ears to receive the message God has for us. If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Romans, Romans chapter number one. This will be a series we will go through the entire book of Romans. Uh, more than likely, it'll take all of the rest of this year. We'll see how the Lord allows it as we walk through each Sunday. The greatest, many have called this the greatest of all of the New Testament epistles. Epistle comes from the Greek word letter. It's a letter to a church at Rome. This particular church was not a church that was on the radar by any individual. It was way, way far away from what was center of from the center of what was going on. This particular church was not Paul is writing to a church, as we discussed last week. He had not visited. In fact, we don't know who had been there. Possibly Aquila and Priscilla had a, a part of that. But the church was formed organically, more than likely, from what had happened at Pentecost. And as the Jews went back to Rome, they formed a church. This particular church, and we don't have all the information on it, was very well known to the rest of the Christian community, including the churches that Paul had started in his first three missionary journeys, or first two missionary journeys, journeys. His third one was primarily revisiting those churches that he started. So this church is well known. This church does not have a whole lot of teaching available to them. They had, of course, what they understood as the gospel. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For 116, of course, is written in this particular book to the, church, to the believers at Rome to encourage them about what is the doctrine. How do you get saved? Why are you saved? It's all by grace and grace alone. And Paul starts the section we're on today, and this is so applicable to today. He starts it out with something called a word of encouragement. Of encouragement of what he has heard about them. And then he goes on and says, we need a relationship. Paul wants a relationship. I've never seen you face to face. I've never visited you. And one of the tenets, I believe, or the understandings of the church of Jesus Christ is we must have relationship between each other. We're not lone rangers. We're not just going to read the Bible and go it on our own. We need accountability. We need encouragement. And ladies and gentlemen, can I say this to all the folks at Walnut Creek Baptist Church today? The encouragement that you have given some of the people in our church that has been very hurt due to a loss of a loved one 
and to circumstances that if you were, you should know what's going on. I'm not going to say this all publicly, but it's been such a blessing to those dear saints. You can't do that with an online church. You can't do that by sitting in a pew and leaving, sitting in a pew and leaving. You have to get to know one another. And all God's people said, Amen. That is the church. It's relationships. It's community. It's serving. And what we find here is before he gets into what he wants to talk about, he says, you guys got to like each other. I need to like you, and I can't like you if I don't know who you are, and I gotta, I'm going to come to see you. And I will not really go over verse 16, but you really don't have an understanding of why he used the word ashamed in verse number 16 until you read the first. You know, we always quote that verse, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We take that verse singular out of context sometimes. But if you understand what he's saying here, especially when we talk about the Greeks, the barbarians. <laughs> and Bush makes it just fits together like a glove. I don't know about you, but I just want to be a Bible preaching church. I want to understand what God's word says and have it apply to people's lives. So let's look at this for a moment. I, the, the key verse I want to work on today is verse number 12. And he says this to the church. The church at Rome. That we may be, what's the Mutually encouraged. Are you with me? Each other's faith. Both yours and mine. Two-way street. I want to preach a message I've simply titled this morning, The Relationship Between Believers. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for your grace. Thank you for the wonderful music, glorious day, same God. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. He will hold me fast. Oh, so much doctrinal content today as we sing of your mercy and your grace. Lord, I pray you would fill me with the Spirit. Give me wisdom beyond my years as I preach. No doubt there are people that are struggling today, both in here and watching online. Lord, let's not cheapen Christianity by just some program or some event, or some tradition, but let's get knee-deep into God's Word this morning. And Lord, help us as a church to build relationships of love and compassion amongst ourselves and with our community. Guide and direct as only you can. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'm not sure how clear this slide comes out, but it does give you a little timeline, which you're going to, it does provide help in understanding where we are. As you can see from the screen here, and I'm sure probably the online viewers can see it a little better, is Paul is into his third missionary journey, journey starting it. He's finished his two, first two journeys of starting churches, and he's 
into his third, but he's not going to go back to Rome where he wants to go. He's going to have to go back to Jerusalem and he will come back to Rome. He will visit this church. But look here, it's going to be four years after this book is penned. Two to four years, depending upon, you know, how you draw the timeline. So the letter he is writing now, when it is received, when the seal is unbroken when they sit around together as we talked about last week when you get a letter it's something really big and they all sit around maybe the church house and they start reading this letter and they gotta believe is he coming today no it's at least two years away he's far away so why is the the why is this epistle so important all, you know, all God's word is important. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's God breathed. Now I want you to look at the bottom corner here. The bottom right hand corner. We see what we call Jerusalem. That's where it all took place. We have Antioch, which is just the north to Antioch. Antioch of the north. We see Antioch there is where missionaries were sent out. That's where they were first called Christians at Antioch. The way, the way, Christians. Now, if you look at this map, that may not mean much to you. But if you were to get in a car, according to Google Maps, that I did that this morning, and you were to drive from Jerusalem to Rome, which there is a land path. I mean, excuse me, there's a land path to go around. But if you could drive and then cross the ocean, it's 2,500 miles away. That would be leaving Erie, Pennsylvania, going straight across the country, and it being about 75 miles in the Pacific Ocean. It's a long way. And remember, their primary method of travel was boat and by foot. So when he wants to meet, this church is out there. They're way out, as they say down south, out yonder. They're in the boondocks. They're out there. They don't have the luxury of Paul visiting Asia Minor twice. They don't have the luxury of the apostolic teaching and all that's going on as the church is being formed. They're out there by themselves in a heathen country. All they have is the experiences and some written word possibly from Pentecost. And this is why this book is so important. He nails it down about salvation. But God's grace, you don't need great buildings. You don't need wonderful programs. You need the Spirit of God upon a few people that gets right with God, and they did a wonderful job with this church. That gives you a little bit of the background. I want you to look at your text there. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to look at verse number 10. It says in verse number 10, something interesting. Always in my prayers, asking somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So this is the first time he references here, I really want to see you guys. I want to, I promise you, I'm coming. I want to get there. Number two, look at the next verse. Verse 11. For I long to see you, that I might impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Second time, I want to see you. I need to see you face to face. I have so much to give. And by the way, by the time he arrives, possibly four years later, in chains, 
in Rome before Caesar. They've had this letter for four years and they're fully implementing everything he taught. Remember, this is the word of God. This is the Bible as we have it now. It's inspired. It's an inerrant without error. And he had given them this. And I imagine he. He more than likely didn't physically visit the church when he was in chains at Rome, but he got a visit from some of the church people. And then we find a verse number three. It's implied here, possibly implicit. That they were getting a little aggravated while he hadn't come. How many of you get aggravated? Raise your hand. I know you are. I know who you are. <laughs> but he got a little aggravated. They had been aggravated. And he says in verse number 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. It's almost like he's defending himself. You see that? Look at verse 13. That I have often intended to come to you but thus far have been prevented in order that I might reap some harvest among you as well, among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So we see here very clearly that he wanted to get there. So the big idea this morning, believers have a strong bond between each other. He wanted to visit them. Not just to gear back and preach a message. As they say, some evangelists, this is back in, in my early days when the Independent Baptist movement said evangelists will blow in, blow up, and blow out. You know, he comes in, preaches a message, kind of stirs everything up, and leaves. No, he had a heart for these people. He wanted to see them. It's interesting. This week we were at a conference down in Jacksonville, Florida, my hometown and I got to meet some pastors uh, one particularly in Arizona who was actually the pastor for the herds and Jim Hurd has passed away but that's where isn't that amazing how you know one person says I know somebody Mary and says this was last year and he says you've ever heard of Roberta Hurd and I go yes in fact half our church lives in Arizona and Florida I mean you know they've left and it's a number of people and he goes well she's in our church she is such a sweetheart and this a bond was there because you know what? Look here. I know Roberta. I've, she's been to our house. We, we walked with some deep waters for them through some situations years ago that they were dealing with internally. And they've walked with us. I have a relationship with Roberta Hurd. My wife has a relationship with Roberta Hurd. And that means there's something there that's stronger than just a casual understanding of agreement of the gospel. I had a relationship with some of these pastors. I met uh, a fellow, his name is Chris Anderson. Many of you know him. He wrote the song, um, His Robes for Mine. He wrote for Majesty Music, for Bob Jones University. He also, uh, he is now writing, or at least assisting writing for um, Sovereign Grace and just the encouragement he gave us on music. By the way, we're going to have him here the 16th talking about what is biblical music? What is what music should be sung in the church? You'd be surprised what he's going to tell you. Encouraging God, so encouraging to me and our staff here. But we have this common bond. Now I know Chris Anderson and what we're seeing here, ladies and gentlemen, is there is a bond between people and relationships. 
And where have we got off in the 21st century where we believe you can do it by yourself? You just go. Why not just do it all on the Internet and listen to a, a podcast or listen to some type of a, a, a digital recording? Is that what it's about? I need to cry on somebody's shoulders. So do you. And Paul is saying here, I've longed to see you. It's from the bowels. I want to get there. I want to get to know you because once you understand who I am, you will receive this letter. There will be something that will bond us together. He introduced himself. And now he gives a couple of points which I want to walk through. Look at verse number eight together can we number one be thankful for one another the very first word and verse number eight and i believe it's in every translation is the word first f-i-r-s-t do you see that first you know what that means in the original greek first <laughs> I love people. Well, the Greek says this, like they're trying to puff themselves up or something. I've done that too. So, you know, we're all narcissistic in our own way, right? Before I say anything, I've introduced myself in the first seven verses. Before I say anything, everybody look here. I want to encourage you guys. Let me tell you what people are saying about you. And this is good. Let me ask you this. Are you the type of person that lights up a room when you walk in? Or do you light it up when you leave? That is funny, right? <laughs> I'm not saying, look. Christians are the only one that shoot their wounded. Be careful what side of the fence you're on. And I've been on the other side. I know I've probably I've made a bunch of mistakes. But he said, first, look what he says. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Isn't that a great way to start? Now, by the way, he didn't necessarily start off with the first church at Corinthians that way. They were in a mess. But look here. He had been there. He knew what was going on there. He hasn't been here yet. And he says, because your faith. Actually, the, in the Greek, that word faith is translated here faith. It could mean faithfulness, too. So you can look at either way. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I thank God for you because what you are doing in Rome, it's gotten all the way back yonder. Look. To Jerusalem, to Antioch, Ephesus, to Corinth, for Philippi. It's gotten all the way back there. We are hearing something is happening in this wicked, vile city called Rome. Nero had not started his match lighting fires yet. At the time this letter is written, the church is primarily Roman or Gentile, rather. There would be some Jews that are matriculated back. After the original persecution had started and they were asked to flee Rome. But he says, I'm hearing something is going on there. I thank God for that. You're being talked about. You're far away. But we've heard what's going on. 
I want to get there. There's nothing like seeing something firsthand, right? I think one of the areas that my wife and I wanted to visit years ago, three years ago, well, four years ago coming up, maybe five years ago, I don't know, whatever, um, is we'd heard about Yellowstone and Yosemite. And I always wanted to go there. I'd seen pictures of, you know, the rocks. I'd seen pictures of the, the geysers. But it doesn't do it justice if you've ever been there until you've actually seen it. I have something to tell now because I've been there. And I look at what Paul is saying. I want to get to you because I've heard what is going on. Your faithfulness or your faith is being proclaimed. People are standing up and noticing this. So virtually everywhere the gospel had been reached, that's what he means around the world, or excuse me, around the known world at the time, people are talking about what is going on at Rome. And if you will remember, the written New Testament had not been distributed yet. They had what had more than likely some apostolic teaching had matriculated its way up there, but there had been no visits from anybody officially from the church that we know of. Paul never went to this church. He said, but I'm praising you. One author said this way, some, some tongues are turned to praise and others are turned to criticism. Criticism. Paul took the former. He praised them. He thanked them. Their faith was seen in the lives of what was going on at Rome. Rome was a city where, according to Roman historian Tacitus, all violent and abominable things were encouraged. Not only did the saints live pure lives there, but they were also experiencing explosive growth because church members were leading others to Christ. Their faith was spoken throughout the entire world. What? And encouragement he gives them. One of the most discouraging things that church planners hear, and we were with a bunch of them this week, especially if your supporting church is down south, is they'll talk to a church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where there's 28 churches that run over a thousand. And I'm being facetious and sarcastic. My hometown's not much different, Jacksonville. And they'll come up to these church planners, Mr. You know, this cute little couple that I'm called from God to, to plant a church. And the supporting church will send them a check, praise God, they're supporting them. But one of the, the most discouraging things they hear is not, I'm hearing what you're doing. God bless you guys, we're praying for you. Here's what they generally hear. How many people you're running now? And when they say we got 25, they go, really, we got more than that in our choir. This real, this, I'm talking real stuff here. This isn't made up. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, he starts out encouraging them. No doubt they were messed up on the doctrine of grace because that's what this whole book is about. But I want to tell you, we could all be encouragers. Especially for people that may not have all their I's dotted or T's crossed, but they love God and they love God's word 
and they're trying to do their best. We ought to hold up their hands like Moses's hands were held up by Aaron and say, I'll hold up your hands and help you out. And we see here he encouraged them. He didn't say anything yet. He made his introduction in the first seven verses. And now he says, first, let me tell you something. You guys are doing a great job. In fact, the whole world's talking about Jesus. He even goes a little further. He says in number two, he's, he says, be faithful for praying for each other. Now, let's, let's just walk through this quickly. I'm going to do my best to finish this before Super Bowl, all right? So, uh, a little side note about the Super Bowl. It's, uh, well, I won't say that. I got some really passionate people about both teams in here. But it says here in verse number nine. Look, for God is my witness. He says, God is my witness. I'm telling you the truth. All right? Another way to say that. Whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel without ceasing. I'm talking about you. I'm mentioning you. I'm bragging about you. Now, he talks about prayer in the next verse, but this one says, I'm telling everybody about you. I'm talking about you everywhere. They didn't have the presence of any of the other disciples like the other churches. But they were getting it done. He says here, God is my witness whom I serve my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you. The capital city was Rome. And when you go to Rome, guess what you find? Everybody look here. You find Christians. Isn't that amazing? You find Christians. My wife and I were recently in Costa Rica on a, a bus going through places with one place a soldier had an Uzi on him. I says, we're not going to make it out of here alive. Felt like we're in the Sandinista jungles being taken hostage or something. And guess what we saw next to the Uzi just right before we got to the guy with the Uzi? We saw a Baptist church little ratty building and it says i could understand baptist in spanish baptiste or whatever it is what some of you know better than me but the point is i they're christians there by the way they may not worship the way we do they may have different standards than we do but guess what they love god they love god's word and there are brothers and sisters in christ and you're going to be surprised how many people are in heaven that you didn't expect to be there because all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shall be saved. You don't have to behave a certain way, and if that's the standard, then this is exactly what Paul's trying to get rid of in this book. So the point is, he found Christians there, and he's praising them, and he says, I'm talking about you everywhere. Then he says in the next verse, look what it says, always. You know, it's a lot of pray, a lot of Paul's letters. He always tells how I'm praying for you. I'm praying. I'm praying without ceasing. Always in my prayers, I'm asking that somehow by God's will that I might last succeed in coming to you. I had the Macedonian call and maybe that turned him around a little bit. As he went into Philippi and the churches in that particular area. But he says, I, in my prayers, am asking, I want to come to you. Then he says in verse number 11, For I long to see you 
that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Guess what? I want to come and explain what I'm writing to you. I need to see your face. I can relate to that so much more than almost everyone in here. All of my children are all over the place. I got a son and daughter-in-law, my grandson, in San Francisco. And by the way, they're in a good church. They're serving the Lord and they're praying together. So please don't make fun. Oh, I wouldn't live there. Oh, we're going to live where it's just perfect for us. Is it really all about us? My will, my thing. Oh, I wouldn't live there with a bunch of liberals. You know. It hurts. My wife and I, we say everybody's got the grandkids around. We don't have any of them around. I want to see them. I'd love to have them come over. So by the way, if you have kids and grandkids here, speak. Thank God you got that. We got another, we got a daughter in Raleigh, North Carolina. We, we face, God, if it wasn't for FaceTime, I probably would have resigned and been gone here a long time ago. <laughs> it's hard. And we love them. Papa, Papa, Papa. It's so funny. I was cheering for the 49ers <laughs> the other day. And I think, who were the, who the 49ers beat in the playoffs? I can't remember. The, they beat the Giants. Somebody tell me. Hurry, hurry. Come on. You know. They beat the Vikings. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Spiker. Crosby Spiker. And my granddaughter was cheering for the Vikings, but she found out Papa wants the 49ers, and she turned her mind and says, I'm cheering for the 49ers. Now, that may not mean much to you if you've got grandkids here, and they're all over you every day. Some of you are going to see the Super Bowl tonight. Just remember, we don't have that. I'm not, woe is me, but that really hurts. Because I long to see my kids. I really do. I got Trish and Dave over in Ohio. I got six grandkids. And, you know, by the time you talk to six of them, it takes 30 minutes, you know. We long to see them. No, we see them a little more. And I got another daughter. I forgot the last. Oh, yeah, Sarah. She's in Charlotte. You know, you forget the youngest one, right? Remember the whole story about raising kids? The first one, they drop their binky on the ground. You wash it off and sanitize it. By the time they get the fourth one, you just stick it in their mouth. Some of you can relate to that. I long to see my kids. You know what Paul's doing here? I'm praying for you. I want to get there so I can impart something to you to strengthen your faith. To strengthen your faith. I long to see you. He wants to be there. Now, there have been some discussion that leads into the third point. He wants to be an encouragement. We are to be an encouragement to each other. In this particular section, there was some something that may have been explicit or not. I don't know that they were whining about why he didn't come. Maybe there were some complaints in the church why he didn't make it there. Remember, the Romans, and by the way, when you see the word Greek there, that's a culture that's not, he's not seeing the Greek, that's not Athens or the Greek-speaking people. The Greeks had a way, they were a sophisticated people. And I'll go through that in just a second, but let's just walk through this. 
verse 12, it says that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I'm going to get there. So you encourage me and I will encourage you. One of the most discouraging things sitting in your seat as a pastor or staff or a church that doesn't care. One of the disappointing things and discourages me and the people that are here are people that are just scouring and angry all the time. By the way, I get there too, so I can't throw stones. I get angry sometimes. It's a mutual thing sometimes. To encourage you. He says, I want to encourage you and you encourage me. That's why I want to see your face. But there's something going on under the surface. Let's read it together. I do not want you to be unaware. Now, the King James says something. I like the way King James says it. It says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. I think that's what it says, something like that. I do not want you to be unaware. Yeah, you're ignorant. Kind of caustic word. It's made comes a little better in this translation over this. Brothers, that I really have tried to get up there, guys. I have often intended to come to you. I really want to see you. I know it hasn't happened yet, but I'm working on it. But thus far, I've been prevented. In order that I might reap some harvest among you as well, among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. In other words, you see the equivalent there? He's calling them, that's is this kind of say this is probably a Gentile church, or mostly Gentiles. He's saying, I really want to come. Now, look at the next verse. By the way, the Bible is the best, the best commentator on the Bible is, let's say it together, the Bible itself. This explains a lot. Look at verse 14. Uh, excuse me, guys. You're not the only ones that exist. You're not the only game in town. If you see where I'm going with this, let's look at the verse. I'm obligation to both the Greeks, that you sophisticated people, not necessarily just the Roman. Remember, Greeks is a word that when translated, it means a upper class. All you Greeks. All, and by the way, Greeks and barbarians are both Gentiles here, so you're not separating Jews here. He's talking about the same non-Jewish people. But there's two kinds. There's the Greeks, those who live on the other side of the tracks. And us, sophisticated Romans. Why would you not want to go to Rome? Rome's the center of the world. It's where everything happens. It's, it, you know, but I'm under, you're not the only ones. Does that hit home with us? I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and I know this is being recorded. I got to be very careful what I say, but I grew up on the side of town that was the Greeks. It was the side of town where the executives live and where the Baba live, and we went to a church. And I, Denny and I got lost, or kind of lost through traffic, and he took me the back way to where we were going. It's pretty dilapidated. You would wonder, is this the same city? But God's called to both sides of Jacksonville. And he's saying there, you know, I'm trying to come, but guess what? I've got an obligation to both the Greeks and the barbarians. Now, and barbarian's an interesting word. We think of like Conan the Barbarian or something like that, right? 
bah, take his head off or whatever. I'm not endorsing that. I don't know if I've ever even seen the movie. But, you know, that's not what that means. Barbarians is a guttural language. It means ba 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 barbarians. It's, it's a, in other words, these are people that are not sophisticated. These are the knuckle-dragging people that, you know, we call, oh, look at them, you know. These are the people from the other side of town. He says, I'm not just obligated to you, I'm obligated to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise, those who have some intelligence, and to the foolish. And that's not talking there about their intellectual IQ as much as it is talking about their culture. That's why I haven't come. He kind of, remember you start out praising him here? I heard so much about you, but let me tell you why I haven't come. Verse 15. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you and also who are in Rome. I'm not going to preach on verse 16. You'll have to wait to next week. But that's why verse 16 says so much sense. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to the Jews first and then the Greeks. Now, what he says when he says that, it's interesting. He's not saying, oh, that's just the order. He went, you know, who's called to the Jews first and the Greeks. No, he's saying that the gospel came through the Jewish line and now was for everyone. I'm not ashamed of that. And I will go to the barbarians. I will go to those in the in the in the hinder provinces of Rome that you may not like because I've called to both of them. So my question to you is. He could not have any of this accomplished with any degree of success. Had he not had a relationship and he wanted it so bad. It's, I don't know where that came from. Um, he goes here, I do not want you to be aware, brothers, I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligation to both the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. And I want to close with this. Our Christian faith gives us a common commitment, a common purpose for encouraging one another and that's what he's trying to do we will go down for the next 40 weeks this is the introduction 50 weeks maybe and we're going to walk through every verse of this and i will say this and i'm not this book is a systematic theology of christianity it really is you can call it a letter if you want but it really defines faith and grace and if you will sit here and be a part of that Yes, it may be a little dull and a little deep for some people, and even including me. I'll try to apply it as I can, but I want to tell you, you will have an understanding of what that church received in the letter and why Christianity today is so different than every other religion. It is the most, it is its most important. All books in the Bible are inspired. Every word is important. But this book and the book of Hebrews, which is one I'm going to preach on next after this one, is the... Is the foundation for the New Testament church. Thanks for joining us today and it is our prayer that the message was both encouraging and edifying for your life. If you would like more information about our church or better yet would like to know about how to make Jesus your personal Savior 
please reach out and email us at office at wcbaptist.com. If you live in the Erie, Pennsylvania area, we would love to have you join our worship service at 10 a.m. each Sunday. Once again, thanks for joining us, and until next time, we hope you have a great day.